0: the
1: world oh, new world. Okay. Make just another kind of freeform rock and roll make a groovy solo, solo maybe want to tap a toe just another kind of freeform rock and roll make a groovy solo, solo maybe want to tap a toe Woo. Yeah. Woo. yeah yeah all right well yeah. welcome back to Pollcast. i'm your host Madison Fantozy and i'm your co-host Leah
0: Bartholomew
1: we're joined today by Kim a uh, Director of Disability and Counseling Services here at Polk State College. And Kim's job is critical to eliminating barriers for students with disabilities to ensure that the college remains an all-inclusive environment uh, where higher education is truly accessible for everyone. So we are super excited to chat with you today, Kim. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. Um, So the Office of Disability Services is crucial to upholding the college's mission of providing access to higher education to everyone, and it may be obvious for some students to seek out the services your office provides, but there are also (coughs) a lot of resources and opportunities that may be lesser known. So can you kind of give us, for starters, the scope of what your office does?
2: Yeah, so I'd like to say that the foundation is to provide support to those students who would expect to need it more than the average student, right? So you think about the average student coming straight from high school, um, apprehensive. um, There's typically a lot of trepidation about starting college, the changes, the process, right? Because, you know, children don't really have to be concerned about how to get enrolled in K through 12. But when they come to college, they are often very involved. And in some cases... Their parents are asked to, to kind of wait outside and allow for the student to learn what the process is, learn how to advocate from him, for himself or herself. So um, so I think our office wants to be the foundation of support so that if they forget where else to go, they can at least come to us and we can sort of help them figure it out. Um but in addition to that, we do provide critical services for students who are living with disabilities. So um, academic support services, technical services. Um, a lot of our students who have processing, processing disorders, for example, would need um, the use of a digital recorder or their own computer to make sure that they understand what they're hearing in lecture. And so if they can use their own computer, that would record lecture. They can download that to programs that allow them to um, reorganize their class notes. So there are a lot of things that we can offer note taking assistance. Things that you know, I guess we'll talk about a little later. But um, but I think the the overall scope um, is to is to provide support, um, be available to students who need us, and um, help them figure it out.
1: Yeah. You said that, you know, kind of helping that transition between high school into college. So do you work pretty closely with a lot of the high schools targeting those students that might be coming here? Or how does that work? How do the students find you guys? Yeah, that's a good question. So we have started working more with the um, guidance
2: counselors and administrators in um, the Polk County schools. Um, We typically would want to talk to those staff are serving students that are about to graduate, right? So 10th to 12th graders. Uh, and so we have been asked to um, talk to some of those staff members um, at their Poe County um, quarterly meetings, talk to uh, the staff, parents, and other interested folks about what the transition involves. Um, the fact that we do need documentation from the student. The school is not responsible for sending documentation regarding the student's disability. That's that's a misconception. A lot of students think, well, it just magically happens, and it doesn't. Or um, that we would somehow know that a student has a disability. Again, that's a that's a different conception from from K through twelve, where the the staff is responsible for seeing a student struggle. Trying to help them identify why that is—it's actually called, you know, child. Um, I think it's called Child Find, or um, you know, seeking out what what the problem is with the child, and then getting them to the services they need. Well, in college, the student has to come to us. We okay. we don't go looking for them. So those transitional changes are important to to review with with the K through twelve staff and um, and the parents.
1: What are some of the biggest needs that you see for our students? Um, I think we could certainly
2: use more technology um, and I think user-friendly technology is necessary. You know, So um, we have, for example, Sonoset, which is a note-taking service for students who aren't able to take notes for themselves, right? Again, if they have a processing disorder or they have a physical disability. Um, We we do hire note-takers, but unfortunately, we have a high turnover because oftentimes note-takers are students, so they're graduating and moving on. Um, And we struggle, quite frankly, with our population of students who um, use note-taking as as a way to support their academic performance. So we just don't have a lot of students who take notes. so what we're looking for is, again, said, is a good program, but you have to have a computer or some sort of smart um, phone or, or smart item uh, device to, to download the lecture. Um, and so that's an extra step. And then when you download the lecture, you have to be able to navigate the system in order to have it work best for you. That's an extra step. So it's almost like you have to be more than basically familiar with a computer device to use it um it is it's pretty complicated I mean you know I had to play around with it for a little while so I think if we had something that was a little bit less complicated um more user-friendly simple we would have more students who would um who would feel um you know more comfortable with using it and um and so I think that's where we, we struggle the most is just accessing the technology that will, that will help students.
1: Okay. About how many students do you all serve?
2: So um, between the two main campuses, um, because we we consider the main campuses as um, the home base, right? So that would include the satellite centers. Um, we have about 450 students. Oh, wow. Registered. No, they won't all take classes at the same time, um, but they are registered with us, and we're growing. Um, you know, and I think to the education system's credit, we have more students and their parents recognizing that students can pursue um, higher education. They don't have to rely on social security benefits to live on. They can dream bigger. Um, So we have a lot of students who have autism spectrum disorders, for example, where, you know, maybe 10 years ago or or less, they probably would not have been able to fit into a college system. It just would have been very difficult. Um, But now with the education system, recognizing mainstream education is important, um, providing accommodations differently is important, meeting students where they are. Um, We do have a growing number of students who who feel a lot more confident and believe in themselves, and their parents believe in them. And so they are um, coming to college and and excited
1: about it. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have, like, a
0: particular student in mind, maybe, like, a success story or someone that you met, which, you know, maybe they were struggling or...
2: Yeah, um, I do. I have... So there's one student uh, in particular. She... um, was really struggling to pass math. And I think part of it, it was a combination of her having a learning disability and her just lacking the self-confidence. And, and being told, you know, it's, it's just not gonna happen. You're, right. you're not smart enough or um, accept your limitations. And so we talked about some options. Um, she did remediation. So she took the developmental math courses and had to take, so there are two levels. Uh, developmental Math One and Developmental Math Two, she ended up taking them both about three times each. Wow. Um, so she really struggled and wanted to give up, and and had expressed um, the desire to give up uh, a few times. And so I just kept encouraging her. Um, we, you know, talked about how she might take the class by itself and how she might get the additional support that we could offer in terms of tutoring and things like that. And she just stuck She stuck with it. And so I saw her sitting outside in the lobby and uh, in student services, and I asked her how she was doing and she said she passed the math. That's awesome. Yeah, and so, um, and you know, it was moving forward. So I think for her, um, you know, it, it, I don't even know that she cares that she will eventually graduate. It was the math, right? right. The success of getting it done. Right. And not giving up, um, and not allowing something to to overcome you know to overwhelm her, but overcoming that that obstacle. So that's, yes, I was really excited that's for. Her. Impressive yeah, that I really is.
0: definitely would have given up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I think most of us would, right? right? That's, I mean, it's that's
0: really that's, that shows some incredible determination. Absolutely, to take it two or three times, and still not be able to like, I'd be like, well, I guess I guess that's it. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's awesome. Yeah. And I've, I've been fortunate to interview, you know, for Polk.edu, a couple of your students. And, mm-hmm. you know, they always say that your office is a blessing and it really got them through. So it's really awesome. That's great. And it, it's
2: an honor, quite frankly, to work with so many of them. Again, they they do the work. Um, we're just fortunate enough to to work with them and provide them with the support they need. But they do it all.
1: Where does your passion for helping these students come from?
2: Um, I think. I've always had a passion to help, and quite frankly, my beginning career was in the area of mental health. So, um, you know, obviously, mental health falls into the category of disability services, but, um, you know, early on, I saw myself as working with a population of people living with mental health issues, and... um, and doing what I could for them. So I recognized that I can't have, help everybody, but I could do what I could for them. And that allowed me to see, um, you know, the spirit in people, right? And um, the fact that we all want to be successful, that that is sort of a commonality. We want to be successful. Um, we want opportunities. Um, we want, you know, to be able to say that, you know, we did it. We we put in the effort and um, and and recognize some some benefits from that. So when the job presented itself here, um, you know, I thought about how my early um, experience could could help with those students living with disabilities and um, and just the the challenges that you know I'm familiar with. So um, so I think my passion for students with disabilities disabilities has grown from a passion um, in helping people who are considered the underdog, um, you know, and are just, um, I remember I was, I was working at a, a nursing home facility. It was sort of a high-end um, group home for adults who uh, had uh, suffered a traumatic brain injury. And there was this one woman who would lose her, False teeth, once a week. It was just, it was inevitable. It was going to happen. So we we were prepared to help her look for her teeth um, mm-hmm. about once or twice a week. And um, and you know, I I was just patient. Other staff members would get you know um, annoyed with her, and uh, it would get old. Um, if, and she would blame us, of course, because you know of her. Brain injury and um, and being uh, a senior in age, she was you know just in those end stages of being paranoid and and whatnot. Anyway, so she would blame us for for sealing her teeth. Why we would want false teeth, I have no idea. But um, but I would I would just be patient and pretend like this was the first time we were doing it, right? So where did you leave your teeth? You know, it's like let's start looking here. And I remember she said, "You're gonna have a better job than this one day. You're gonna have a better job." And, uh, and so yeah. So she said. So I joke. I used to joke with Kate Iago and said, "You know, she's sort of spoken into existence for me." But um, she was right. You know. (laughs) So I so I I, I think yeah. But but at you know the the base of things, um, I try to see people as individual. And recognize that everybody has a story. Uh, we all have experiences that bring us to where we are. And again, we all have those common, you know, characteristics of, of a desire to have something better and um, and the ability to work hard for it if we want it bad enough. So so I try to work with people there. That's awesome.
0: So back to- to the teeth, yes, were they typically in the same place that she would lose them
2: all the time? No, they? no, okay. they they would usually be everywhere, right, and, okay. yeah, and yeah, so, and so I didn't even want to know right. how, how'd, you, how'd your teeth end up in the second drawer of your sweater, you know, <laughs> where you keep your sweaters, but oh, yeah, yeah, so <laughs> so you're really
1: good at
0: overcoming <laughs> obstacles, mm-hmm. and, uh, what is it called? Brainstorming, not brainstorming,
1: critical thinking, problem solving, problem solving. There you go. <laughs>
2: I try to do what I can. Yeah.
1: Well, you touched on mental health earlier. Will you share with us um, a little bit about the Bay- BayCare Assistance Program that we have here? Absolutely. So in addition to
2: working with students who are living with disabilities, my office is responsible for um, coordinating the mental health services that we provide. So we have a contract with BayCare. BayCare, is, you know, is a, is a um, national health care provider. Um, And not only do they provide medical health care, but they provide mental health care. And here in Florida, they provide contracted services to a number of state colleges. Um, And so the benefit of that is our students have access to licensed mental health professionals 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Any student can call the toll-free number 1-800-878-5470 and speak to a licensed professional about anything that they're going through, right? And and so what we often tell students when we promote the services, you know, we go to classrooms and we talk about what we offer, <coughs> excuse me, we try to normalize the fact that everyone's going to have something that comes up. I mean, you know, if you're living and breathing, you're going to have something that happens. Trauma, stress, you know, crises. So it's important to know that you can talk about these things even before you feel like they've overwhelmed you, right? And actually, the the students who are more successful understand that going in. So they don't necessarily wait until something has grown so out of proportion that they're not even sure if they can deal with it. Um, they, they go in and talk to someone and get a feel for what the person that they're talking to thinks they should do, or, um, you know, they sort of talk up the problem so that they can hear it, you know, and, and try to pro- let's process is a fancy therapy word for talking about something so that you, you've addressed it and it's not internalized, you're not holding it in or denying that it's there, you've addressed it openly. And so that really is important. So, so the BayCare Student Assistance Program uh, affords students up to three face-to-face visits, free of charge, completely confidential. Um, and then the, the toll-free number, if they were to call that, they can speak to a therapist by phone for an unlim- uh, unlimited number of times. Um, so, you know, it really is important because, um, again, talking about things usually helps even before it's a, it becomes a crisis. You know, you can talk about it, get someone else to help you consider options and, um, and typically, folks feel better. Um, so we really try to push and normalize that it's better to talk about it than, than try to deny that it's happening. Um, Kate and I would say, you know, we would never be available to students 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, we just can't, right? So th- the fact that the college has invested in this type of, of mental health program is very, very important. And so shout out to my supervisor, Reggie Webb, for helping me to, you know, advocate for this. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's probably one of the most important services that we offer at the college in terms of, um, again, additional support, um, recognizing that students come from all walks of life, and they do need a safe, qualified person to talk to. Um, it's also important, too, because when you think about A lot of the students that are starting off in college, um, being young adults, um, maybe not having a whole lot of experience with developing relationships, the counselor-client relationship is one that I think some students help um, or, or, or use to help model what's healthy, right? So if you've been talking to someone who affirms you, validates that your feelings are real and important, um, supports your um, decisions if they're healthy and they're stable. Um, And you've never had that. You know, you may have never had that. Um, Having that for the first time maybe is significant. And so I've had students when I did the counseling say, you know, I don't think I've ever had someone say that what I have to say is important. Or I've never had someone listen to me. You know, a lot of times people feel like they just, you know, someone talks over them or right. waits to talk, but they're not really listening. Um, or, you know, I've had students say, um, it's, it's good to know that I can come here and you don't feel like um, what I have to say isn't more important than what you have to do here, right? So I don't rush people off and, you know, just taking the time with them. So, So I know as a counselor, when I was in the role, it was an important opportunity to model healthy relationships. So I think um, the fact that we have the Care system and they are all trained professionals that are here for our students um, to do that and more is just, is tremendous. So I'm very, I'm very proud of what Polk State offers um, and pleased that our students have that available to them
0: actually extends out even to faculty and staff as well.
2: Right, right, yeah. So, well, and what's interesting is, so faculty and staff have um, the employee assistance program, but if a staff person is also a student, they do have access to the Baycare Student Assistance Program. So you're right, um, we have the same type of service available to faculty and staff. Awesome. um, Through our, our employee assistance program,
0: yeah. Which is interesting because you kind of think about, or I do, I think about maybe 20 years ago and just like the work, you know, the workplace and colleges and I don't think that mental health was as like we weren't as aware of like, you know, the extent of, you know, even just simply talking to someone like you said, validating someone's Mm -hmm. can change so much and it's kind of interesting to see now, like I feel like There's so many more people or students, especially, like, younger people that are having, like, anxiety problems and stress and, like, the internet and all of these things. This instant gratification Mm -hmm. has really kind of really changed humans, I feel like. Absolutely. Just the stress of you're instantly gratified. you, You have the world at your fingertips. And it's, like, such a quick, now what, now what, now what? It's really interesting just to kind of see people transition into stuff like you know, when it gets too intense it's really nice that there is a program.
2: Absolutely and that's a great point Leah because I think you're right I mean I'm old enough to remember when we didn't have you know social media um, and cell phones and you know things that allowed for um, folks who, who perpetrate um, you know uh, experiences like bullying and harassment, you know, um, to to do it on a scale that you know we we could only imagine years ago, right? So it's it's now you know the experience of most of our students who have um, ever done anything or had something happen where someone captured it on social media. And then it, you know, turned into a big thing and folks were talking about it. And so now it's perpetual. You, you, can't, you can't live it down. You, you know, you can't forget that it happened. Um, and, you know, one experience that most of us can, you know, can identify with, maybe you're in high school and you're not the most popular student and you didn't get, in, get invited to someone's party. Um, well, now that, you know, folks can put that on social media – you may not have known that you didn't get an invitation before, but now you know. Right. And guess what? Now you're different, and because you're different, you're an outsider. And because you're an outsider, you you might get bullied or harassed for that. So, um, it is. It's just a, it's a different um, generation and age, and um, and I think it, it is a struggle because of those factors um, to find a way um, to support students um, and reassure them that it, it does get better. If you can hang in there, it does get better. But um, but I, I do think we're, we're fighting against that, you know, and we're certainly um, living with the reality that um, mental health, access to mental health is just not where it should be. And so we had recently a licensed psychologist on campus Um, During Disability Awareness Month, Dr. Janine Robinson Giles, to talk about the connection between our mental health, our state of mental health, and mass shootings in this country. And she talked about the fact that, um, you know, not only do we not have the proper access, um, you know, folks can't afford medical care. So mental health care is just going to be prioritized way down. Um, But we normalize a lot of violence, um, children are exposed to violence, um, through video games and other, um, medias very early. So, um, it, it just doesn't seem as shocking and outrageous anymore to a lot of young people. So, um, so if you're already disturbed and you don't have anyone you can talk to, people around you are perpetrating against you. So they're not even safe. Um, you know, you you unfortunately get someone who considers a way out, and um, and so they might turn to violence.
0: Yeah, dude. People in the eighties had it so easy. <laughs>
1: I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, when is Disability Awareness Month? It's
2: in October. Okay. And so we are looking forward to planning for this year's uh, Disability Awareness Month. I forget. What year we're in, um, but uh, maybe year thirteen. Um, but yeah, we we are very very excited. We've got some some things, you know, in the works. So so I won't uh, I won't spoil it, um, but I will say that um, we look forward to partnering with you to help us get the word out, um, promoting the the events that we have planned. And yeah, we, we always look forward to educating um, the student population and community at large about um, the way folks who are living with their own limitations, challenges, obstacles, um, will, will work to overcome those and will do it with pride and, and dignity and determination so we always, we, you know, you all are in the business of telling stories, and so are we, um, when it comes to putting those events on. We look, we look forward to, to folks sharing their, their success stories with our students, staff, and faculty.
1: What are some highlights for from the last, you know, 12 or 13 years?
2: Um, so we've had um, folks who developed disabilities later in life. We had a, a former dean. From the college actually come and talk about how he had a, a degenerative eye disorder. And so he was not able to see after being able to see for more than half his life, um, eventually lost his ability to see. And so, you know, navigating a world um, as a blind person is just incredible. And, um, and most of us would would feel very sorry for ourselves and, and get depressed, right? But he was, um, he was the exact opposite. He was um, grateful. Um, his loss of sight allowed him to see differently. Um, so it was pretty metaphoric. I mean, how his disability actually allowed him to see how he was able in so many other ways. So we've done that. We've done um, stories about uh, basketball players who use wheelchairs, um, and they play in a semi-professional league here in Florida. Um, and so they they actually put on a halftime show at one of our basketball games, so that was exciting. Yeah, they were awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've done uh, presentations on um, different um, – Services, you know, um, fairs and agencies coming together to provide information about what is available. Um, we had a blind uh, movie critic, which was really awesome because you think about, okay, how are you able to to critique a movie if you can't see it? And so he talked about how he would wait for the music to to cue him in ways that would indicate that there is a change in the scene or, um, you know, maybe danger coming or a love scene is happening. And he was actually featured on Jimmy Kimmel, I think. So, um, it was a pretty big deal to have him on campus. So we've done a number of things. I mean, we try to keep it interesting. Um, we've had a a presentation on service animals. That's actually really popular. Like everybody wants to know, you know, what do we do about service animals? And, and how do we know if it's a service animal? Um, the long and short of it is we really can't require any information on a service animal. We can't require that they have a vest. You know, we can't require that they have paperwork. Um, but what we can do is ask, ask two questions. Is this animal um, uh, Is this animal required for your disability? And what has the animal been trained to do? So those are the two questions we can ask by law excuse me, that, um, that allows us to um, acknowledge the animal as a service animal as opposed to a pet. Um, and so we, we've provided presentations for faculty in particular um, and staff because we, we encounter that quite a bit. And um, a lot of times folks are anxious. They don't know how, how to respond. They don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to offend anyone. So we try to provide those um, presentations during Disability Awareness Month so that everyone's clear and they have that information for themselves.
0: The worst part about a service animal is you can't pet
2: them. I know. So um, they have, some of them have those signs. Um, yeah. Please don't pat me. I'm working. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we've had um, service animals in classrooms where uh, students have allergies and so they they can't be in the classroom with a service animal, or an instructor has an allergy, right? And so we have to make adjustments. As a matter of fact, I have a mom, who uh, whose daughter is going to be attending POC this fall. She called me because she wanted to know about our policy on service animals. So I explained it, but I did say, you know, if there if there's an issue where your daughter's in a class and there's another student who has an allergy to animals in the class in the same class, what you know we do in in the um, bottom line is we work with both of them and you, we will find a way to uh, to accommodate them both. So, um, so yeah, it's it's never a dull moment.
1: You deal with a lot. Yes, it's constant, I do. Constant like problem solving, like we were saying earlier. It's like yes. you're trying to help one person, but that could cause a problem for someone else. And then you have right. to keep making accommodations and right. But patience. Yes. You patient. definitely seem like the most patient person I've met like ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Through all your stories. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I would have lost my mind already. <laughs> yeah. No, I try I try not to, but yeah, but it's great. it's tempting. Yeah, but I, I try not to. So Well, where can students find you? Um, your office or maybe on on Polk.edu? Yeah.
2: So my office is on the Lakeland campus, LTB twelve seventy-three. Um we are currently recruiting for the coordinator position here in Winter Haven, um, but that office location is WAD159. So in the meantime, we will have someone there to um, serve students uh, who have questions or need to drop off documentation um, until we can hire um, someone full-time for that position. Um, and then uh, by email, folks can reach out to me at K. Pearsall, P-E-A-R-S-A-L-L at Polk And then finally, my direct number is 863-669-2309. And I actually do welcome phone calls. I think I'm one of those throwback people that I'd rather get on the phone, chat it out. Um, you know, a lot of students are used to text and email and uh, mainly text. Um, but, you know, if you want to give me a call, you know, I do answer. So, yeah, I would encourage anyone who has any questions about our services to do that and our email address, which is sort of under underused. So I would encourage students to go to our website, poke.edu forward slash disability hyphen services. A lot of the information that uh, students have is there and also on our um, homepage for um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, there's a lot of information there about disability services, service animals, how the college, how the college does adhere to the Americans with Disabilities Act and the um, Rehabilitation Act. So, um, but yeah, folks are, are certainly welcome to, to contact me directly if they have any questions.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having
2: me. It's been a pleasure. I'm so excited mm-hmm. that I got to, to be on shell yes, yes.
1: <laughs> just another kind of free freeform rock and roll make a good solo maybe wanna tap your toe just another kind of free freeform rock and roll make a good solo maybe wanna tap your toe
0: Woo. yeah Woo. yeah